This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. The big set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is The Rookie. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I'm your gracious host, alongside me, the betentacled, besmirched, bewildered, bewitched, best remake ever, Justin Waddell. How's it going, sir? Man, it's all right. It's all right. How's your weekend? It's fine. It's over. Yeah, but it was a long one. Yeah, Bo? What? It was a long weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I like long weekends. Mm-hmm. Me too, man. Isn't there a movie? Isn't there a movie called The Long Weekend? gotta be i think this i just saw right before we started the screenwriter of weekend at bernie's passed away r.i.p r.i.p to a real one yeah i don't know his name but r.i.p whatever and then who else passed away a couple your favorite Uh, your favorite lead singer of smash mouth he died and then jimmy buffett died as well yeah so they always come in threes nick is that a victor solo comment i will tell you flat out i won't be wearing a black armband anytime soon how come I mean, I'm sorry for their families, but... You're not a big I fan. I see, I see. Yeah, you're not a big fan of Jimmy Buffett. I've, I've eaten it in his restaurant before. I met someone that dated Jimmy Buffett before. <laughs> quite a, dated, you mean probably was a groupie and squared off? Quite a bit younger than he was. I'm not sure her story, but yeah, they were together for a while. I don't know what the that story was, but I did meet her a long time ago. My favorite Jimmy Buffett thing, though, in the world is Bill Paxton. Yep. Yeah. Impersonating him in Club Dread, or at least riffing on him. My cat, I, I, I swear to God, he ha- he's he excited. Does, he, waits till we're, he waits till recording to get vocal. He's excited. Downloaded Baldur's Gate three. Yeah, I downloaded like I had the early thing, and I haven't looked at it. I didn't download. I didn't do the pre-order, but I did the minute after it came available. I bought it for too much money, and I haven't played it yet. And you're thinking about getting Starfield as well? I can't get Starfield. I don't have a system that can play it. I don't have Xbox Series X. It sounds like more of the same anyway. I wanted to buy the system, but I didn't realize how that, that it was so it was still so high, the price. I don't know, man. Yeah. I have plenty of video games right now. Yeah, I just like to buy them. I don't love to play them. As I was downloading Baldur's Gate 3, I was playing a game called Stranded, which is like a you cr- your plane crashes and you try to survive on a desert island. It's a lot cheaper than um, Baldur's Gate 3. Do they have a skin where you can add our island? There's a a couple buttons. One is you press a button to pick up things. You press a button to drop, you know, the same button to drop things. And another button to scream, I'm stranded. 
Those are the <laughs> things you can do. It sounds better than what I was picturing in my mind's eye. I was picturing a very clunky game where you get frustrated trying to survive, you know, trying to gather just, you have mm -hmm. to get all these stupid ingredients. Yeah. What system is it on? I ha I have been playing on PlayStation. I think you can get it for everything. I think it's one of those games, it's probably like an indie game. I think I got it free somehow with like a, and I just was like, you know what? I wouldn't mind simulating being stranded on a desert island. Are there creatures? I think they're sharks. You're not at risk on the island with sharks. Well, I think probably what you have to do is you have to move from, you have to island hop in this. I think the sharks put a stop to that sometimes. As I don't know. I, it's their I, job to do that. I'm Team Shark. I could tell you're getting interested. As soon as I said shark, your ears perked up. Is that the term? I mean, I, what I was hoping is that either there's a deep rising kind of thing going on or Ooh, there's something lurking. Or I like the idea of Castaway the game. Just really, there's no bullshit. You're just, yeah, all you're the just game does is, you, you, yeah. yeah, your hair and your beard and all that shit just gets huge. And then you just try to knock your tooth out. That's the big climax of the game with the roller yeah. with an ice skate. Love that movie. I know how the game ends. How's that? Trying to get laid. <laughs> Remember? The woman at the crossroads? He, he's, yeah, and, and he deserves it, too. You think so? 200%, yeah. She's, she's uh, yeah, he's got a package for her. There's some sort of delivery aspect. He does. To he it. has a package. She drew on a package. She is an artist, and she draws on her packages. He 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 goes. It's one of the packages that was the down ship, and he brings it back home. Right. Yeah, it had wings on it, and in the small print it said, "I'm hot, and I'll be single for the next several years." I'll be smoking while Helen hot. Hunt is while Helen Hunt's getting rid of your ass with Chris Knott. Chris Knott got canceled, by the way. We know that, right? Do we talk about for now. this? He's done. For now. I mean, for now. I Chris think, Knott. I think we have talked about it before. A talent that concussive can't be kept at bay. You can't cancel Knott. He's out. I don't think he's hireable anymore. He's gone. And you know what? I miss him. You know? I know, man. He was like liquid gold on them screens. You know? I really had my fingers crossed they were going to uncancel him so he could be in that Godzilla TV show. Let me look. See, is he on, let me see if he's on Twitter. <laughs> to portray Nathra. Oh, yeah. He's, he just posted the screenwriter writer weekend at Bernie's died. He says, RIP to a real one. <laughs> and then it shows him, and he's he's at his, uh, he's sitting by his fire pit, toasting marshmallows with Matt Lauer. <laughs> That's right, Matt Lauer. I will say this about Matt Lauer. I always couldn't stand that pile of shit. <laughs> I will say this to Matt Lauer. Committed to the bit. What, what do you mean? He had a fucking button. Oh, he did. To trap people, and they uh, they kind of took that and used it for Steve Carell's character in uh, the Morning Show. Did they riff on Lauer in the Morning Show? It's interesting. Oh, super super Lauer. Is Carroll still on the show or Carell? I'm sorry. He's uh, no longer available on the show. Oh, he died. I mean, he's no longer. Uh, he made a decision. He suicided. I mean, I don't want to spoil his obvious suicide. Lauer never did It's so. actually handled really well, actually. Yeah. I'll give it that. Another person canceled. Who was that uh, the other guy that had like that kind of interview show? Charlie Charlie Rose, also gone. Well, he was sort of a perv, but I don't remember him getting canceled out. I he, he got canceled, for sure. He like would walk in on people. Like I think he could walk in completely naked. Like one of those guys. Oh, I gotta love him. He'd, like, walk, you know, so he'd have some nice person over for tea or something, and then he'd come in completely naked thinking things were going to happen. I thought it was kind of cute, though. He'd come in flaccid, and they'd mm -hmm. look at them and get super hard. He goes, look, Charlie Rose. You thought and that was cute, huh? It was cute. <laughs> that was, sounds nightmarish. 
Charlie Rose, what a piece of shit. Good riddance to you, motherfucker. Out. Go wow. go away. He's gone. You're hoping for a comeback, though, huh? It's too late. Yeah, you think so? I like his show a lot, though. I wonder if he had a pod- has a podcast. I liked his show, and I love the uh, behind the scenes that they would... When he'd naked walk into a room. <laughs> I don't know much about it. I think that's what he was up to. I like just what he fired. He definitely fired his shot. But Charlie Rose was not exactly what you'd call Brad Pitt 2.0. It's not necessarily. He had to think that it wasn't going to work. He had to. He couldn't think that was going to pull. You know, work. Not necessarily a tool of the handsome is what he's trying to imply. These. This is people in power abusing it. Oh. Charlie Rose, Harvey Weinstein, all these. Motherfuckers. Well, and Sonya Braga in this movie. All of these pieces <laughs> of shit. I, uh, I'm, I'm seeing Anthony Jeselnik in about a week. Yeah. A week and a half, two weeks, whatever. And it reminds me of my last comedy show with Louis C.K., another man who um, is was sort of canceled. A Unsuccessfully canceled, I'd say. I mean, look, here's the thing. You're, he's canceled. He's not going to be in movies and shit, but he, his comedy career is alive and well. I think you can't. It's hard to cancel a stand-up comedy career. Let me let me give Bill Cosby a quick call. I think he tours. Oh my god! Got out of prison. I think he tours. Well, I mean, he. It may have been an accident. Him drugging and raping too many people. That guy got out of jail. That's the that's the power of of wealth right there, man. He's in jail and out, completely in jail. They're like, you know what? Nah, you're good, man. Come on out, Bill Cosby. Be cute. Go on tour. It's like a serial rapist. He's a piece of shit. Such a piece of shit. Anyway. What else is happening? Oh, yeah. We talked about this, but I'll bring it up. I think people should watch that show, Tokyo Vice. I know that I am late to the party on it, but I feel like it's a show on Max that is underseen. You had told me a long time ago that you really liked it. I ignored you. Smart. I started kind of getting the hots for Michael Mann after that Ferrari trailer. I was so excited he was back. And after, after Black, Black Hat. Hat. And then I you know, knew he produced that show and directed the first episode, so I wanted to watch it. I ended up loving that show. I think it's really uh, well done, great characters. Yeah, and so you, you were right. I appreciate the recommendation. And, yeah, there, and there, there's a season two on its way. Yeah, and speaking of canceled, I mean, Elgort is actually, he was sort of canceled for a minute there, but he's very good on the show. That's right. He had a little bit of something happen, right? I forgot about that. Ken Watanabe in that. It's great. Yeah, it's a really lovely show. I think people... It's very uh, literary. It's very... There's not a lot of action. It's very... It's a strong narrative. For people that like meteor stuff, I think it really fits. It's yeah, solid. it's... Like, there's a... You know, Al, Al Gord isn't... He's a he's a character. Like, he's kind of the protagonist. But there's other characters that kind of equal or more screen time. And they're all great. All the characters are really well done, I think. So, yeah, I, I was pretty impressed. And then I watched... Dune, which I had mm-hmm. never seen. Then I watched Happy Death Day 2, which I had seen. I think both of those are equal quality, yeah. those movies. How about you? Killing it. You traveling? Uh, I will be next week, mm-hmm. and then I've got some stuff coming up. Finished a major project that I've been working on for a long time, for over a year, the Halloween record, which I just put out. I'm wearing my Halloween underwear. Nice, thanks for showing. Uh, yeah, and that's really fun. I don't think I'll put it on the show. I was going to put it on the back of an episode, but it's an hour long, so I don't want to kill people. But if you guys like weird narratives, it's uh, it's a it's a real piece of work. It's and, and our old buddy Steve Murphy is all over it because he's so, our narrator. What's the name of it? 
Who? What band it's is it? It's the Lucky Night Six called Halloween is Fucked. Uh, I actually re- it, it, I published it. It'll come out on all the big networks, on the platforms uh, in about a week or so on you know iTunes and Spotify and all that. But I have it on our SoundCloud now, and I also made a file that's the entire narrative in one big bite, and that's the way I prefer to people to hear because you get the whole continuity thing. There's a lot of quirky stuff in there. But I'm really happy with it. There's some really great music in it, and it's also ridiculous. A lot of auto-tune, a lot of uh, creature voices, and it's a holiday album. So what's the yeah. what's the um, character that you and Nick vo- or you and Steve voice? Pumpkin Blood. Pumpkin Blood. He's a little Halloween demon that is the alien Santa conjures, or the Christmas witch conjures on the behest of Santa. He become he starts off as the villain, and then he becomes sort of the most important part of everything and, and we are in love with him steve and i pumpkin blaze he's a cutie he's so cute is he, he is he he, he he raps on the album is he as cute as jay paint <laughs> i was thinking about that guys this is something that is uh, very niche but let's talk about that really quick there's this we used to do this a lot more in the past where we would do these creative games to kind of entertain ourselves and past the time when we had a group of us together we'd play Q&A which is this fun word game that, or you know writing game that we played but we also would do Dirty Word Scrabble where we would play Scrabble but we, we wouldn't make real words we would make either acronyms or, or whatever whatever. sometimes they're real words and tell a story as we and do. tell a story so you know put the first piece down and then you kind of every person kind of builds on the story from there and it gets crazy and there's always a sexual there's some, some sort of salacious kind of silly shit that goes on and we did it last Saturday, or was it Saturday or Friday? And know. Justin mentioned J-Paint, who is a, uh, a sex droid that was competing with my sex droid, which was called Penex. You know, there are some really funny things that come out of it. I'm looking at just some of these words. The one, the, the one that we did before that was a little bit funnier, I thought. It was about a university, a sex university. Mm-hmm. I think it was called Rail U. I think it so. It was. Yeah, we did yeah. play with our friend Andrea. She was in there. And, uh, yeah, and uh, some of the words that came up, I'm looking at it now. Rye job, which is, I think, one of yours. That was one of mine, yeah. Uh, Vagitu, or Jeeb, that, that was, was one of yours. Yeah. Heel nut, yeah. fax anal. <laughs> that was one of yours. Yeah. So, so yeah, anyway. It's, it's really it's, what happens is Nick kind of sets the, the story, and then my job is to then try to make it cuter. And then Nick then tries to make it horrific. <laughs> Actually, that had a happy ending, the robot, the sex robot story. It did? Yeah, yeah remember they, the two robots ended up finding each other mm-hmm. at the end? Yeah, they were no longer competitors. But what happens yeah, is you... Why, you Jay, I'm still trying to figure out J-Bird. <laughs> that's what happens is you get letters and you're trying to figure out how can I... So I just named a robot J-Paint because that's what the letters I had. And then I also, at one point, I decided he was going to go on a run, the run in disguise because I also had something, it's spelled like wood hat or something. <laughs> And oak I, hat oak hat and so that's you just <laughs> basically it's shape fun. the narrative so it's, you could get a, rid of your letters it's definitely one of those you had to be there kind of things but i if you have the right kind of people who are creative and fun and are able to just be silly it's really a great way to pass time and cheap we did try to so, play the thing board game that's kind of why we get together and it was i did a game of, night yeah and we yeah. had like six of us there i wanted to keep it small so that you know it didn't get unwieldy and that game yeah that game kicked our ass in terms of learning the rules it was hard to learn but i think it'd be a great game if we if we figured it out but yeah the thing there's a i think there's a couple thing board games but the one that you have is looks pretty cool 
It's like a lying game. Which is anyway. like uh, the show you call the movie Microscope. Mm. It's the show where we zoom in. We make our way through the enchanted battleship. We roll for wandering grandmothers. We cartwheel into caves. Rub an onion against the bunion. Scrub dick when the earth's cool. Touch tips with a mountaineer. Give Baphomet his energy drink. Get that brown sound. Give it a dervish an investment tip. Pull a necklace off a cultist. Scroat out under the hard drive. Practice some wrist surgery. Watch a movie through a set of shitty ass, dirty, shit poor octopus asshole eyes that have been damaged by God's rays and inseminated by the ground itself. See what makes or break. Share with the likes of you, the listeners. So if we were talking about I Am Sam... We'll talk about the scene where Sam stupids his way under a steamroller. Talk about the little moments. I just kept picturing you with that intro here to the show. I could picture, like, what if you took that verbatim to, like, an open mic poetry night and just read it dead serious? You would probably you get a round of applause. Please don't ruin everything. Don't make me stop doing this. Get a round of applause. People will be like, this guy is speaking to my soul. Now, I think you're already doing that to our listeners, yes. I will testify to that. But take this shit on the road, sir. Go to your open mic uh, poetry night. There's got to be one close by. Wow them. That'd be, a, that'd be a good name for a male strip club. What, wow them? Open mic. What was the joke we used to have in the round? Was it in Halo? Was it a Halo mm-hmm. thing? Okay. I think it came from Billie Jean. The Michael well, it did. It. Obviously, yeah. it came from Billie Jean. And I think it was it your was joke. A... I think you kept... But you... We, ended up, we, we ended up using it. Of course, but you were obsessed with what the in the round. What's the round? You kept... Yeah, I kept... I was very concerned with what the round is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the floor, in the round. My... And uh, I... Yeah, and so my daughter right now is... She really likes... Some Michael Jackson songs for some reason. I guess you tell her what a great guy is. I'm sure she has to kind of know, right? I mean, it does, that kind of just follows him around, right? But she does like Michael Jackson a little bit. His songs. I mean, how does was Michael a talented Jackson, dude. But how does he get a pass? How does he get a pass? Did he get a pass? He's done. He's, he's dead. He's, he well, didn't get he's a obviously pass. dead, but didn't people, get a pass. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously I'm all about letting the art be the art as much as oh, possible. I see what you're without there seems to be still this heavenly glow around his material. I think people. I mean, that's just, like, the a fault of human beings, right? Like, it's like once you love something, they, it can do no wrong in a weird way. And that's not, that's not everybody, but certainly I think that explains some of his longevity. People then, like, rally around it, like, oh, it's lies. He was, you know, incredible. And they, they do that for a lot of different people. All right, well, let, let's start talking about Hitler's art. I've got more to say. The Rookie Nick, 1990. This a, yeah, this is a big one for me. Still in high school when this bad boy came out. This was a movie that was, uh, you watch it and it feels like a fossil from the 70s. This came out when action films had gotten a little bit more modern. And it was very, Eastwood obviously was, you know, get off my lawning a little bit. But this was sort of a seminal movie for me and a couple of friends. Because we really, we clung to some of the line deliveries and some of the dialogue and stuff. And and it was funny, I didn't realize this, that, that Scott Spiegel was involved. He was one of the writers, I think. Yeah, and that's that's one of, I mean, obviously closely affiliated with the Evil Dead franchise. I wonder if there that's part of why. Because some of the stuff is, it doesn't fit a normal Clint Eastwood movie to me. It's ridiculous. It's a sloppy movie, Nick. You notice Hell that? Hell yeah. Yeah. There's a scene later, there's a fight scene when this guy's trying to kill Laura Flynn Boyle. We'll talk about it. I'll talk about why it's sloppy then. I don't want to get to it too too quickly. Let's go through the cast of this bad boy. Well, you mentioned Laura Flynn Boyle. I did. You know, someone who I really used to like a lot, and she's still acting a little bit. Why? Because she's pretty? Sure, she's certainly pretty, but uh, she was also in Twin Peaks. She was quite good in that. I I always liked her. I thought she was good in, was it Men in Black 2, where she played the bad guy? Of course. 
she's been good and stuff, you know, and then kind of known now for being very thin, right? She got known for being thin and then she got a lot of like work done, I think. And so, but I'm glad to see she's still acting. I, I thought she was, she has something coming out where she's, she's at least she's part of the cast that Ewan McGregor's in. So she must have a legit role in something. Pepe anyway, Serna. Pepe Serna in this, uh, Raul Julia. Xander Berkeley. Xander Berkeley showing up in here. Tom Skerritt. Looking exactly like Tom Skerritt in this. You got Sonia Braga. She's in this? Yeah, one Charles Sheen. You got Marco Rodriguez. That's right. He is he played the really good bad guy? Like yeah, the guy Loco. that's great. Loco, yeah. You have um Paul Van what's his name? Uh Clint Eastwood? Is that what you're thinking? No, of? Paul, what is that guy's name? I looked him up earlier. Which character? He plays little Felix. Oh yeah, yeah. Ben Paul Ben Victor. Paul Ben Victor, yeah. Love him. It's a early role for him. Very early, yeah. I don't see him on the cast list, but that's his name for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was on his Instagram page today. He is a new. He's a proud papa, young. Fa- he is a. He's fifty-eight. He's got little tykes, little tiny guys running around. You went to his uh, Instagram, did you? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's so sweet. He's a grandfather. No, 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 no. He's having the youngins. Oh, you know, fifty-eight anymore. Come on. On your deathbed, someone comes up to you and says, Justin, I, I wish we could have spent more time together. You're like, well, I had to look up Paul Ben Victor's Instagram page. Why did you have to do that? Well, because Nick assigned me to watch the fucking rookie. That's why. <laughs> this is a fucking, this is a, this is the fucking circle of life going on, man. Oh, I thought you didn't like that movie. Oh, I hate it. Well, then why did you watch it again at age 50? Because Nick wanted to see it again, and he likes it. Charles Sheen. Clint Eastwood, a person that I think yearly I take a markdown on, you know. And then Tony Plana, ubiquitous character actor. Who's his partner at the beginning of this that gets backshot? I don't, I don't know him. He's he, he's an ex-football player, I think, this guy. He was kind of a ubiquitous actor back then. Are you sure? Hal Williams. He was, a, And Jordan Lund is in this, too, by the way. Do you remember Jordan Lund? There, he has, he's, he's sort of, uh, man, he looks weird these days. He? he plays the bartender. He was such a good villain in a lot of shows. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was his name? I just said it. So, I'm sorry. So Jordan yeah. Lund. Yeah, he's kind of effectively a douche in this. Yeah, what's the name of the guy that you're talking about? Hal Williams, I think. He, you remember he's Clint's partner at the beginning that Clint could give two shits about. Uh, well, he, he sucks. He dies. His eyes are wide open. He's, it doesn't say he's a uh, football player. Maybe I was wrong. I th- I, maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but he definitely is tall. Okay. So maybe he could have been. Super Zoom early in the show. What is the premise of The Rookie, Mr. Justin? Clint Eastwood is plays a, a veteran cop that is kind of on the... What are they? What, what, what kind of cop is he? He, 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 he tracks robbery. down yeah, robbery and you know, car Grand crimes, Theft Grand Theft Auto yeah. and all that stuff. And he's on a major case... Uh, at least he's on a major like assignment where he's about to crack it wide open when his partner gets killed. And then they assign him Charlie Sheen's character, who's a new recruit, young man who is the product of a very rich family and is in the process of kind of rebelling against them, following his dreams of being a low-paid police officer. And uh, these two uh, get partnered up, and they start to investigate this crime ring. And Eastwood directed it. He did. Like I said, my relationship, I, me and my buddy Brian, we were roommates Love this. Love some of the dialogue. We had an audio tape of a lot of movie quotes we drive around to, and this had a lot of the ones that were in there. I think I've talked about this before, but this was another movie that was heavy. Re- oh yeah, Born in the Fourth. This was another one that was on that same tape that we were just loving. I'm sure it's on the tape for a different reason because what do you mean? the quotes you're quoting. I imagine Pepe Serna in this because his delivery is awful. Is that yes. right? Uh, Pepe and Charlie Sheen. Got, I got so many lines of and and Eastwood. Oh my gosh, there's lines from 
I got a lot of Eastwood, a lot of Charlie, and a lot of Pepe. But Pepe is struggling. Oh, he's he is he is off the rails. There's one line delivery in particular that blowed my mind. I think what happened in this movie is this Loaded. is you have heard that Clint Eastwood does not like to shoot a lot. Like he likes he's like a one take dude, right? And it moves on. Mm-hmm. There is evidence in this movie that he is that kind of a director. Like, you watch a movie like Unforgiven, for example, right? And it's hard to believe that that was the case in that movie. He, he took his... I imagine he took his time at crafting that film. This movie looked like they shot in about a week. And there's a scene in this, as I was alluding to, that Laura, Laura Flynn, uh, Flynn Boyle gets attacked in her home. Uh, the bad guy goes... Like, he, he impersonates the police chief, gets into her home, proceeds to as he's talking to her and she's making him tea or coffee decaf coffee he starts pulling out all the cords so she you know and locking the door mm-hmm. so she cannot get out once he starts to try to kill her they start to fight struggle there is a camera shot in the room i rewound it and pause it run it pause it of two men standing in the room as they're fighting and i was really? like oh did he bring two people no it's the crew really it's the crew yeah i took a picture i'll send it to you it's like <laughs> two dudes hanging out by the door i was in like middle- what yeah. Are they the only thing in the shot? No, it's so they're in the foreground, like uh, uh, Laura Flynn Boyle and the and the guy struggling, and then up to the right by the door, just some dudes in like <laughs> casual wear. Oh, that is so good. I'll send you a pic. But that's what I'm saying is, you know, Eastwood in the edit saw that and he was like, "Fuck it, that's a great shot of those two. Let's keep it in. No one will care." And, and another Eastwood staple, he loves his jazz music, even if it doesn't fit the material. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in this film where the composer, who is a guy that he worked with on a lot of his films before the composer left planet Earth. It's it's, it's good music, you know, if yeah. you like that kind of stuff, but it does not fit. And it ages this movie crazily. But what's funny is, you know, this movie is notorious for having the most stuntmen in it or whatever. That was the, yeah. one of the trivia things. I don't remember. Okay, so this starts off with this very, very awkward, weird dream sequence. We don't know it's a dream sequence. We don't. But Charlie Sheen stiffly walks into a stiff room. Very stiff. Mm-hmm. He's a stiff. He's always been a stiff actor, which I kind of love about him. It's very weird. And then, you know, it turns out we find out. I mean, the main point of it is, is we find out that he, as a child, him and his brother were playing on a rooftop, as you do. And his, his brother took the longest fall. Well, his brother jumped across the from building to building. No, he didn't. What do you mean? He tried to. He tried to. But he did. You know, as you do when you're a kid and you play, you're like, let's, let's jump from deathly heights. Let's play the, a game of... Cops and Jason Gedrick. The brother doesn't make it over, starts, you know, because hanging on by his fingernails. And then you find out later he's like screams his brother's name to help. But how is his brother going to help? I guess it doesn't matter. Charlie Sheen froze in that moment and he has been haunted by it ever since. He was unable to help his brother, didn't even move a muscle. And now these these dreams plague him. At the beginning, he wakes up because these cops in this dream sequence are accusing him of letting his brother die. And he wakes up like he just had taken a shower. He is drenched in sweat. Yep. And Laura Flynn Boyle goes, this is her whole job in the movie. What's wrong? Is everything okay? You know. I didn't know that Dakota Johnson was here. By the way, welcome to the second installment of Sextember. I know we're stretching it with this one. Oh, well, but there a is a there is a sex scene in this, and it is a, an atypical one. It's a doozy, and, I, and a controversial one at the time. And this is the one thing I remembered from this movie, was this scene. So, Clint, I guess... Kind of made, made at least a memorable scene. I remember not liking this film when I walked out of the theater back in the day, Nick. You did really like it, huh? I laughed like a... Yeah, it's not a good action film necessarily. It's very mm. by the numbers. 
But I had a lot of fun with Eastwood, and I had a lot of fun with Charlie Sheen in this movie. And, I, and it's I funny because the thing that surprised me rewatching it, he's pretty good in the action scenes, Charlie is. He's pretty effective as a in the fight scenes and whatnot, and he's over the top in his line delivery, which makes me so happy. Yeah. But Eastwood's grumpy character in this makes me so happy. He's such a dick. Some of his jokes are so Clint Eastwood. They're obviously ad-libs by him that are not really funny, but they're funny because it's Clint Eastwood saying it. Yeah. I just got charmed by it. I, I, I still, even after revisiting this movie after 23 years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it still has a soft, I still have a, a, a soft spot for it. And I actually liked it quite a bit this time. So Good for you. Thanks. I did not like the sex scene. It's a hard, it's a hard one to, to think about. So Clint Eastwood is, I think, at times a very talented director. I, I think he obviously has made some great films. Blood work. But uh, he's stripping here, man. I don't know what the... Yeah, I like how you mentioned you thought he was in the editing room. There's no way he was in the editing room. Clint Eastwood was... He makes a movie a year. Mm-hmm. He was well on to whatever was next. You know, he's, he's, making probably... a, he's making a movie now. He's 92, I think. It's he's, a making, he's directing thing. a movie. Yeah. What do you think, man? I mean... I saw The Mule and I liked it. That was semi-recent. I didn't see Cry Macho because that name is called Cry Macho. Now, he did just... Just to clarify, he did have two or three ways in that movie, right? Isn't that correct? In The the Mule? Mm-hmm. He has sex with a variety of people in it, if I'm not mistaken. He's 93, Nick. And you're 16, and I think of Going Blind. What does that mean? It's a, it's a Kiss song, also covered by Dinosaur Jr. Oh, hey. So Charlie Sheen comes into the office. Clint Eastwood's dismissive of him. Pepe Serna is the cap, lieutenant. You're skipping and over the whole part where his partner gets killed. you got to talk about that real quick. So, well, the movie starts off with an excessive action scene, mm-hmm. a way long action scene. Right. Where Clint, Clint's partner is murdered by a group that includes Marco Rodriguez, Xander Berkeley. Nice to see Xander. Yeah. Young Xander. Mr. Raul Julia, Sonia Braga. Is she, yeah, she is in the, She's driving in a separate car. Yeah, she does. she's the distraction at one point. An awful joke happens in regards to her character in that and, and they, they are uh, yeah they're stealing they're, they're stealing cars they're loading them up onto a car carrier whatever those things are called and then clint is on to this shit him and his partner um about to take these these gents down before they hightail it out of there with the with the cars um but they do something that they that bad boys two later copies right and they later after um they're getting away they start dropping these cars on at Clint Eastwood off of the rig. I think it's adorable that you think they were the bad boys gave a fuck about this movie. I think that Michael Bay said this is a huge influence on him, this movie. <laughs> Especially the the rape scene. Oh. Yeah. They so yeah, the partner deserves to get killed and gets killed by Raul Julia. Raul Julia always has his character is a cold blooded killer car thief, which is rare. You know, you know, usually those two worlds don't seem to mix. Usually the car thieves are kinda cool, right? This guy likes to steal cars and, and blow people away and blow his own add, men away. Add another nationality to Raul Julia's resume, too, by the way. Yeah, what's he playing this? He's German. German. It's hard to believe. And his char- what's his character's name? They say it a lot. Strom. Strom. Strom, yeah. Raul Julia could give a fuck. He did not try to play German. Well, I, mean, I love that about him. I love that he, he's played Latin. Mm-hmm. Pulled that off pretty well. He's played M. Bison, who is not Latin. I think he was American in Tequila Sunrise. Maybe not. I don't know. He's 
a very versatile man. Well, he was a good actor, and I think and I'd say he was in the Adams Family movies. He was playing. He was amazing in that. He was so good. But like he best part of the. He's the best part of that thing to me. Uh, Ricci was so good in those movies too. Julia, he was just such a talent. Like in in here, he is definitely cashing in paychecks. Like he. Not necessarily slumming it, but he's not very energized in this. Anyway, you say his, that, but this was the only footage they did in his in memoriam. His big was thing him is on the on the luggage rack roll, rolling by, dead as hell. Before he kills somebody, he always has a little quip, and it's not even good. He'll go surprise or goodbye, you know, things like that. Uh, your time on Earth is is over, you know, things I, like that. I, I wish he would say that, but uh, yeah, he always kind of roll like just has to give him a little exit speech. And keeps it brief. He's great. He kills. Kills a lot of people. And then this. Clint Eastwood, there's a long-ass chase scene, leaves his partner's body. There's a lot of people leaving people's bodies way behind right. in yeah, this yeah. movie. Clint Eastwood gets his ass kicked in that scene, though. It's funny because he's in the back of the, He drives his vehicle right up into the back of the thing. Right. And then they unhitch it, and it turns over. And he comes out, and his, one of his eyes is all jacked up, and he tries to smoke his cigar. There's like a running theme of him with his cigars. Yeah. And then he falls over. Yeah, he ble- he's would, bleeding and he falls over like a sitcom character. Uh, or like an example of a great man who we know is a strong, oaken man showing vulnerability. Okay. And falling down, man. It was, it was, it was like It's watching. a joke. He comes out and he goes, does anyone have a light? And then he passes out from his head it, wound. But it's symbolic of one of America's icons showing fragility in the face of great opposition. Surprise the soundtrack and they go, Wah. Anyway, so he, so he, uh, before you said he left his partner behind. His partner was obviously dead. He went and 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 he did give the cursory like, oh no, when he turned his partner over and there was blood everywhere and his badge was shot to shit. Like his badge that was hanging on his chest had like the corner shot off of it. It gets it gets a re, it gets a res, uh, an it additional show, showing in the film, which is nice. It does. It does. So yeah, his partner said, I'm glad we finally went back and talked about that. Now, Charlie Sheen arrives, and he's a, you know, as far as Clint's concerned, he's a fresh-faced, Nick Polovsky, or whatever his name is. As far as he's concerned, he's a fresh-faced punk, shows up, he's indifferent to him. Charlie, however, is no pushover. David plays David in this, Clint is Nick. Why couldn't they name Charlie's character Justin? You know? <laughs> great. Where's uh, the, the Nick and Justin way, movie? Whoever created the names of these characters is insane. Because Pepe Serna's character's name is Lieutenant Raid, R-A-Y-D, Garcia. Raid. <laughs> Why would you do it? Why would you name it? I like it. Raid is a good name, man. And so anyway, they, so there's a sitcom thing that happens here where Clint, he, everybody's <laughs> like gives him this. He's like walking through the officer like, hey, sorry about your partner, man. It's, that sucks. And he's like, eh. And he walks into, um, like, there's no fanfare that this cop died, by the way. He must not have been very well liked. <laughs> Nick walks into his Pepe Cerner's office. I'm sorry, Clint does. And, his name's Nick in the movie. Yeah. And, you know, starts saying how he's going to tackle, continue tackling this investigation. He doesn't realize that Charlie Sheen's standing right next to him. And Pepe Cerner stops him and is like, hey, this is your new partner. Or he, probably introduced- of, he probably just thought it was part of the crew that was accidentally in the shot. But he said, at first he said, hey, this is David so-and-so. And Clint says, oh, hey, Ackerman. nice to meet you. Yeah, Ackerman. And then he pushes him out of the office to continue talking. That's the sitcom part, right? Like the end of this movie. They repeat it. They repeat it with uh, Clint Eastwood in, the, in his, the chief role. And Charlie Sheen's no longer the rookie. By the way, all this talking about Pepe makes me want to go to Ippolito's and get one of those appetizers. You know what I'm talking about? 
I don't know what appetizer you're talking about. They have an appetizer called the Pepe. It's a sausage roll. It's really special. It's good, huh? I haven't been to Polito's for a long time. We need to go. It's a little sausage disc wrapped in dough, sprinkled with a little bit of honey, I think, and baked out. I bet the microscope beats for free there. You know what I'm saying? In the history, in the in the this wide-reaching, your money is no good here. Where do we get that? Like, who is saying, "Hey, you guys, the microscope, come and eat for free." We're gonna have to start our own restaurant to get that treatment, I think. And then we'll realize that we're losing so much money. I don't want to eat for free. I don't want to eat for free. I want to pay for. You know, I think. I think. Then all of a sudden, there's a. It's a transactional relationship. Um, right? I'm the dick. What now? I want. Well, what I want is just adulation to come out of the <laughs> server. I, I want them to eat trip free. over themselves being dumbstruck by being in our presence, you know? I'll pay for the food. I don't want to be any of that. I just I want, want you to lose your business at the table. Make a fool of yourself gushing, you know? Mm-hmm. Justin, here's a free Sprite on the house. Why? Because you, you did the dark. Yeah, you know? That Robert Carradine <laughs> impersonation in that Wavelength episode, man, you really really burned me out. What do they sound like? I don't know if he even did one. Just thinking. I know he, he held a guitar at one point. Zoom in. So, uh, yeah, now By they're the way, partners. We're, we're introducing another connective tissue. We're, this is like something that we're trying to do is like the episodes kind of flow together in a respect. And they don't, but we're trying they to do. connect. No, this. absolutely they do. Okay, well, yes, of course they do. There is money strewn about on the bed and indecent proposal, and there's money strewn about on the tarmac in this movie. Such a good call. Connective tish. I like it. Yeah, so we, we're going to have to, that's what we're going to do from now is try to make sure we connect the movies that we do. And so going forward from here on out, just you heard it here first, the money on the bed connected to the money on the tarmac. It's going to be weird trying <clears throat> to tie The Passion of the Christ in with Serbian film. Have we mentioned it yet? back to back. <laughs> Have we mentioned it yet? No, that, the, that, that Eastwood is shooting the sequel with No, Cadiz. he's not. No, he's not. What do you mean? Gibson is. What did I say? Eastwood. Oh fuck! I meant Gibson. Yeah, Gibson. Although is... Eastwood could Eastwood remembers those occurrences firsthand, so he might be a better choice. Cause Gibson. he's old. Gibson got a Caviezel back, and after the, the huge hit "Sound of Thunder," what is it? "Sound of Freedom" uh, made all that money at the box office. They everybody's probably thrilled to have Caviezel in another movie. He's a gigantic piece of shit, but he can't act worth a fuck. But yeah, let's get him in a movie. And um, Clint Eastwood's like, you know, who would best represent Jesus Christ himself? Jim Caviezel, obviously. Let's get him in here. 50-year-old Jim Caviezel playing Jesus. And let's do it up for a sequel. And they're going to do it. It's going to be, he said it's going to be kind of a lot of dream sequences of of Jesus spouting QAnon shit. It's going to be pretty great, I think. Will it hold the record that Sound of Freedom does, though? Most sold-out theaters featuring no living persons inside. I know a lot of people did go see that film. I, I they Heart said it's actually not a bad movie on its own right. They said it kind of is... I read an article about how it kind of doesn't get its target right. It's trying to uh, expose certain things it does not. So, I don't know. I don't, I'm never going to see it, so who gives a flying... Episode. No, 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 dead, bad, dead. Are we going to see? I, I would see it for the show, but other than that, I'm not going to watch it. Bill Camp is in it. And I Ooh, do like Bill Camp. Love Bill Camp. By the way, mm-hmm. tomorrow's a big day. Your, yeah. your, your Sky Dweller game comes out, but also new Stephen King book, Holly, comes out tomorrow. Holly, and, you know, based on the character Holly Gibney, right? Like his, he, Stephen really, King, sorry, Stephen King really found a, uh, he really loves that character. She's really made her way into a lot of things. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. audiobook features the lovely actress who played her in Mr. Mercedes doing it, the girl from Secession. She reads it. She reads it. Justine. In, ca- in character. Loop. Justine Loop. Yep. 
So she reads the book. That's awesome. That's what a great thing. Like I, I you know, I'm glad. Like for example, like, I, lo- I really did like the show The Outsider. Or Outsider I love it Outsider. so much. I did like uh, what's her face is Holly. Uh, yeah, she was great. Cynthia Revo. Cynthia Revo. But I think it would have been cool to have that tie-in to Mr. Mercedes, right? Have the same. But that's okay. They didn't do it. I think I, just... I think Loop played her more affected than Cynthia Revo did in Mr. Mercedes. She played her a little bit more affected as she is in the books. Ariva was likable, more likable and more accessible. Even though she had some quirks, the character yeah. in the books is off. I mean, in a good way. She's a cool, quirky character, but there was there's a broken part. It seems like almost with the way that that. And she was good, it. huh? Oh yeah, she's really Mr. Mercedes. I haven't I haven't it, seen that it, show. I loved it. I loved it to death. All three seasons, right? I didn't see the third one because it's so hard. They had it. You had to watch it in a reflection, do an eclipse right. or whatever to see yeah. it. You know. But I remember the first season, I was able to do the DVR with that, and it was really well done. And Brennan Gleason rocked it, man. He's a good actor. Anyway, yeah, so Charlie Sheen's a new recruit, new rookie, and he is paired with Clint Eastwood, who is dismissive of him. And instantly we see these two sort of meet and cute in a way. Eastwood doesn't want him to you know, get in the way of his investigation that he's not supposed to be doing it to these auto thieves that's become a homicide investigation yet he's still trying to deal with it and charlie sheen actually is a an effective dude but clint eastwood doesn't give him the time of day we find out very shortly however that mr ackerman is an adept mechanic knows his vehicles knows his fighting and is a good listener uh let me stop you right there did i mention that jim caviezel is a piece of shit i'm worried that i didn't clarify that enough did did i mention him anyway so this is what by the way probably be the if you met him you'd probably fall in love you'd probably like this guy is what a sweetheart would never meet him i would turn (laughs) down the chance fuck that dude what if you were stuck in an elevator with jim kiv and then he turned out to be an absolutely astonishing guy and maybe all that stuff that you read about him is the is the exception rather than the rule maybe he's a good dude maybe he is a person of interest to you and nice. you don't give him the fighting chance nice you know? person of interest like it's a show right yeah, yeah. no he sucks um <laughs> i would not i would be you know what are the top of the elevator if i get stuck in an elevator with him i would try to climb out the top put my foot on his face and try to get out of there as quick as i could you'd be praying for logan marshall green to be in the elevator with you <laughs> devil classic i was gonna say did it strike you as odd when they go to clint eastwood's house that he has 1000 motorcycles and cars there and they're all classics and incredible like he's a cop and his job involves stolen vehicles yes did you think that was a little odd i just thought it was an 80s cop movie charlie charlie sheen keeps like going can't believe you have the 1903 diamond corvera and the 1620 Felicity Huffman. You know, like he can't he can't believe is like all this shit he's seeing, all these classic cars. I'm like, man, how does this dope <laughs> all these awesome cars? I think part of the thing is is Nick Pulaski It's on the take. Was around when they invented police. So he's had a lot of time to save up because he is the oldest I mean he's old as shit in this. He's he's Clint Eastwood is not much older than us in here, right? Like it's this is this is 1990. This is 20. I'm sorry, 35 years ago. 34. Oh my years god, ago? it's 30. It's that long ago. 34 years ago, and so he's 93 now. Let's do the math. Late 60s, late 50s. Is that right? Late 50s. That's right. That's the math. Is it my right? 93. Mike, do it. 93 minus 30. <laughs> it's 35 or four. Oh yeah, so it's it's 58. Yes. He's the age that uh, that one guy is now that I went to his Instagram page. Paul Van Victor? Yes. 
We did a movie of Paul Van, Van Victor before. Oh, we had to have. We've also done a film. We've done a Pepe Serna as well. I can't. You better remember this stuff than me. I do. You remember which films? No, I know it wasn't Scarface where he survives. Is Pepe Serna the guy that gets chainsawed in the shower? Mm-hmm. Holy smokes! What a great death. Iconic. Horrible death, but iconic. The little death is that what you used in the last episode? You know what that means, right? Orgasm. Uh, orgasm, yeah. But I just um, love that it's it's such a Victorian kind of term. I it's love such it. a like a poetry thing, yeah, which you should maybe insert into your open night mic night poetry thing that you're going to do. If you're not going to do it, I'm, okay, I'll print okay. this shit out and do it. If you do it, it'll be an active mic night. It's inside joke night. But these guys, are they start to form a, a connection. We find out that there's a scene where they go to... So Clint Eastwood is not subtle as a, as a detective. And he goes to this country club where Raul Julia and his cronies are having lunch. Mm-hmm. And the twist on the scene is that everybody recognized David Ackerman, the rich kid. Yeah. And he ends up turning the table to some extent. You know, all of a sudden he's the, the mentor in this, in this environment. Right, exactly. Love it. Love it. And we don't know yet why people know him here. You assume that it's because he is, he's obviously been there before. Why? Well, he's probably maybe connected to wealth. And you do find out that Tom Skerritt, his daddy, is a very wealthy man, Nick. And you know why? Tell me. He sued that fucking alien. Do you know what I'm saying? He... <laughs> For killing him? Yes. He sued him. Got super rich. That'd be awesome, right? I don't want to spoil your nud. But hmm? Alien takes place post The Rookie and Damn post it. Noah. Damn it. Are you right? When does Alien take place? I didn't even think of that. 1991. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, how, wonder what year it takes place. Like, did, did they put it far enough into the future? Like, when I was watching Dune, Dune is set, like, in t- the 10,000s. Well, they were like, you know, it is. he's like, fuck this. I'm not going to 2024 here. Let's let's get up the the ten, well, you know. What was it? Boy and his dog. We watched it. Was it was yesterday, the future? Yeah, yeah. It was like we had already. It was like twenty twenty three or something, right? Twenty one twenty two is when Alien takes place. What nice. episode do you think will be on by then? What about Zoom? Talk about Zoom, by the way. What a tasty Zoom that was. Your mm. <laughs> Alien takes place, and Tom Skerritt. Let me get throw another Zoom in. Plays Dallas. Yep. And that his girlfriend's name is Debbie. All he survives and he makes it all the way to Alien Resurrection. Dies of old age. What'd you say? So his girlfriend's name is Debbie. <laughs> yep. Tom Skerritt, man, so unlikable as a man in uh, movies. He is. He has this smarm, an, un, an undeserving smarm, because here's the secret. Mm-hmm. He was too soon bearded. Do you think he likes a mustache look? or do you he, think? The facial hair, he was facial hair guy. Back then, you can't facial hair and smarm. You have to pick one or the other. You can do it now, but you can't facial hair and smarm in, in 1989 when they're filming this. Another Zoom. Another Zoom, man. Just like in Top Gun, when he's a dick, you took it and broke a major rule of engagement. Mm-hmm. I find it hard to believe him as a figure of authority because he's got a, a facial hair and smarm. And that's why the alien took him out. Tired of the beard. He saw yeah. the hair. He's like, fuck this creep. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he's good. In, I like him an alien. I, I, I've liked him before. He, he, he definitely... It's kind of a one-trick pony, this guy, though, Tom Skerritt. He's got By one the of way, the best names. Smarmy in contact. Yeah, he is. I think he pays the price, though, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's known in the industry. Tell me. Early beard? Pennywise's Bane. Pennywise's Bane. Okay. Tom Skerritt. Scares it. Skerritt. Yep. Pause for laughter.
and so, applause. <laughs> they, uh, Pennywise's Bane, Nick, known in the industry. I thought you were talking about Christopher Nolan's original <laughs> casting statement. You can't have both of those guys in this movie. <laughs> Pennyworth's Bane. Nice. Oh, this movie? Um, so then, the, what do you think of um, the bar? T- so they Love go to it. this bar. And Charlie the biker Sh- bar, yeah. The biker bar. Well, so before that, though, don't they... Where's the part where... This is the bar. Okay, so the bar is... They go to interrogate some, some bikers, right? What are, they, what are they doing here? Looking for... What's Clint Eastwood's mission here? They're look, they? Well, I mean, obviously, the, the Loco has been known mm-hmm. to hang out there. Little right. Felix, maybe. The Little characters. Felix is there, for sure. Paul Ben Victor, baby. And Clint Eastwood uh, gives to kind of grease the wheels for the Little Felix. He gives him a bug... A bag of drugs just whips it out of his coat, mm-hmm. and then he gets the information. But then, when they're leaving, little Felix is going nuts because the mm-hmm. drugs are fake. And Cleanus just looks at him, and after this big speech, Cleanus just goes cry. It's <laughs> one wordy level at him. Yeah, I, I, when you say drugs, I think it was cocaine, probably, yeah. and it's powder, a big bag of powder. Easy drug to fake the look of, I guess, huh? For a while. Mm-hmm. All you gotta do is do that fingernail test, taste, you know. Oh, this ain't cocaine, you know. Or, or make a, you know, make a muffin, and if it if it rises in the oven, it's obviously flour. So they take this information. They go to a junkyard where this bag or this auto shop where this ba- other bad guys hanging out. What do they do? What does Clintus would do? He does the the thing you always do in a junkyard is you put the car in the magnet and carry it around. And the guy's in it, and he's just That's tossed, Tony Plana tossing him around. And to interrogate him. I don't know why the guy doesn't just get out of his car and jump out. He just gets jostled around as Clint Eastwood's like, you know, this scene needs a part two. What if we do a sitcom dog thing? You, you say that with some stink on it. Mm-hmm. No, there's some guard dogs here, and they harass our Charles Sheen. Rottweils, man. Uh-huh. There's some dog damage in this movie, which, you know, not always a fun thing to see. It's disconcerting, yeah. Charlie Sheen has an antagonistic relationship with dogs in this film, let's just be honest. So he does that thing where this they cut to the dog, like he hears the dog. He's enjoying this, uh, watching this bad guy get rocked and rolled in his own car by Clint Eastwood. A beamer, my beamer! And uh, he turn, he hears a growl behind him, and he's like, Ha-ba-da-ba-da. He turns around, and there's a dog s- s- just snarling at him. And he does that thing where he stares way too long, mm-hmm. and then just slowly starts to back away. Then he's running over cars. He is he is running over cars as if he's playing cannibal, and uh- then. And the dog is keeping up, and then the dog is running concurrently with him, looking mm-hmm. up at him the entire time. It's a great little scene. Dog gets a lot of attention, and ultimately, Mr. Charles Sheen takes residence in a, an abandoned auto to get away from this creep. And what Smart happens? move, but what happens? There's another treat sleeping in the back seat. Yeah, another dog there. But somehow, Charles Sheen gets a drop on him and, and is holding the. He fires his gun, and he's holding these dogs at gunpoint. Um, <laughs> so cute. Which is very cute. They, they guess they're scared of the gunfire, but anyway. I thought at that point, maybe that Charlie Sheen would have a better relationship with animals. Like, it's like that part of this movie's over. Now, look, he's got the upper hand. These well, I mean, the truth is, if you remember, at the biker bar, they have dog fighting, and it's pit bulls that are they do, ferocious yeah. and, and, and feral. And that's mm-hmm. what they sick on him in the later scene. So I understand it. He didn't have a choice. It's not he like doesn't he have a choice, but it still is a weird choice to make. At, as a at least they don't show the dog. He shoots a dog in this. He throws one, and he shoots one. And we don't see the body, thankfully, but we know what happened. That dog, it was just a, a grazing wound, and it's fine. <laughs> but, yeah, but what, what really it's makes... grazing the, on grass in heaven. 
Maybe hell. Maybe Gray's on fire in hell. I don't know what that dog looked pretty mean. Do you Love think he was? You think he zoomed straight to hell after Charlie? Don Bluth blew his eye out. One thing. All dogs go to hell. No, what you're talking about the plot, right? What really mm-hmm. is fun is watching Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen be assholes to each other. They co- they argue about the kind of donuts. They argue about the driving. They argue about the way that one dresses. I love it so much. In one scene, they they lose their minds. There's a couple. Each other. There's a couple of scenes, mm-hmm. and there's a. <laughs> he also says, what, "Do you remember when he's, Clint Eastwood says somebody ought to have their ass removed?" He does. I do say for, that for after having, the... a, having a green lotus spree. Guy owns. Guy paints. A, car like that he should have his ass removed yes of course adorable charlie sheen and then Clint, there's a, 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 a an argument in a car where they are just grumpy at each other and it is so much fun they're grumpy and then and then charlie sheen goes like why do you want this guy so much like rob julie why do you want this guy and clinius was like he killed my partner you know like clinius would voice i can't and, do it and charlie sheen says i know but there's more to it he, he doesn't it doesn't win him over he goes i know about that but i'm not buying it I also like the fact Charlie he's not Sheen, buying the guy killed his partner. No, he's not buying that. That is the that, main motivation that he's. And I guess it isn't. It's just it's a weird thing to say to somebody who I'm not I think buying that. You're, I, I think you're he's alluding to the though. fact that his character Nick is more selfish. He's being selfish because yeah, he got yeah. beat. Do you remember when he's when he makes fun of Charlie Sheen's wearing wearing a suit to the to, to duty, wears yeah. a nice suit? You know what Clint Eastwood says? You look like an old fuck. And I love that that's Clint Eastwood saying that. Talk about Mr. Pot and Mr. Kettle. You look like yeah. an old fuck, but a great line. And then, of course, Charlie Sheen holds his own tooth to tooth with Mr. Mr. Clint. He does. There's a the bad guys. Clint Eastwood's destroying their cash supply. He's 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 and he tells his camera crew that he's happy to do it. He wants this bad guy to suffer. Like he's he knows he's screwing with him. And Raul Julia's like, oh, shit. I gotta get some money. And so he goes to rob a casino. What, what? This is a big scene in this movie. Okay. And yeah, he gets his guys to kind of do a fake fire so then he can grab the casino like manager and take him to the vault and get money. And when he does this, the casino manager opens the vault. Who pops out but Clint Eastwood and Charlie Sheen? Mm-hmm. The whole plan is just to wait in a vault to be broken into so they can come out for a little surprise. Mm-hmm. They got these bad the guys dead to rights guns on them. Fucking works. Fucking works. It works for a second. And then the bad guys turn the tables. Oh. What happens? They kidnap one Clint Eastwood. They shoot Charlie Sheen in the back three times, Sonia Braga. She what happens is she starts to walk towards Charlie Sheen and he can't shoot her. He can't he can't bring himself to shoot somebody. He's never done it before, I guess. They blow Charlie Sheen away. He's dead. He's done. And uh kidnap Clint Eastwood so they so Sonia Braga can then sexually assault him later. But Charlie Sheen is actually wearing protection, unlike Clint Eastwood later. So he survives that back blow. But what did you think of all that? Them popping out of the vault? Were you surprised? Nope, but I loved it. It hit my spots. <sighs> Charlie Sheen has, uh, you know, we we there's a, you know we see him in, in his demure state, but he gets shot and he goes a bit off the rails, off the res. He decides he I'm going to become a one man Charlie Sheen army. He starts kicking ass. He he, he you know. He, he borrows one of Clint Eastwood's helmet, uh, motorcycles, mm-hmm. rides without a helmet at one point, which is the ultimate badassery. He gets tough in his in his bathroom and tries to be Martin Sheen breaking mirrors. Head butts a mirror, yeah. Yeah. He's grumpy with Laura Flynn Boyle, who doesn't like seeing her loved one losing their mind. He's a little gruff with her. She's wearing a Body Master shirt. It says Body Master on her shirt, which is I thought was odd. I wonder what that is. Can we zoom in? It's not a body glove, right? No, Body Master, is it like a gym or something? Let me zoom in. Let me live zoom in. 
Her body is a master in this movie, by the way. Maybe it's Rick Master's reference. Try a gym, I think. Yeah, and then he goes and burn the bar that we talked about earlier. He goes back to that bar, asks, asks, starts to ask a little bit of questions, gets uh, the same resistance as he got earlier, and he goes absolutely apeshit and basically burns down the bar. And he fights a ton of people with pool sticks, with fa- mm-hmm. fists, with... Kills some dogs. He, the thing that I hate, and this is something I hate in, in movies a lot, mm-hmm. he's got a gun, he brandishes it, and then he starts shooting random things, wasting bullets, and, and making himself vulnerable. Shooting yeah. bottles, shooting this, shooting that. All of a sudden, you're out of bullets, and then people could rush you. They don't, because well, it's a movie. But they're scared I, of him. I wish that he would have shot less bottles. That's a big criticism. Well, he's not going to shoot people. He's there yeah, to intimidate and, and scare everybody. Fire a warning shot, and then ha- and hold this very lethal instrument in a manner in which they could be shot. But don't start killing bottles. What do you think when Raul Julio was getting out of that casino with his hostage... And he had a gun in Clint Eastwood's mouth, but he just basically had him in his a little bit in his lip, like under. I loved it. I loved it. Like Clint Eastwood was like kind of sucking down it, like it's a straw. I loved it. And he goes, "If you move," he was telling the cops, "If you, if you try to do anything, I'll I'll shoot him." And what it, it looks like, it would just shoot his lip a little bit. It would hurt. It would hurt. It would hurt. Scary. And then, and I love that there's this other underling who shows up in these scenes. Like this shorter guy with a ponytail that is, he comes into the play later on, but he's sort of this, this little, he's like a little goblin that hangs out with them during this. These yeah, he's like a loyal servant that gets shot at the airport by Raul Julia after he does his job yeah. and brings $2 million to Raul Julia. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's dirty scarret money, though. From the lawsuit, I'm guessing. The cops are so stupid in this stuff. They're bickering about mm-hmm. the two, the chief of police and, and Pepe are, are bickering. And he's flat out says that they're not going to be paying the money. Mm-hmm. And then, mysteriously, Charlie Sheen gets his dad to pay for it. And then Pepe's like, I love this idea. Let's just go along with it. It's so stupid. But let's talk about some line deliveries by Pep. Okay. Because there's one in particular, obviously, that is the big one. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, just tell me. I just No, no, I, I want you to tell me. I don't remember any of his lines. I didn't write them down. I, just I think you talking about how bad his line deliveries were. They are. Right. Right, right, down. So there's a scene where Charlie Sheen is starting to kick everybody's ass. Clint Eastwood is currently kidnapped. They basically need to go find David Ackerman. And so he, he goes out into the squad room and, and says, we need to get a search party, go out looking for him. And two guys get up and start to try to get away. And, yeah. and he singles them out. And these two guys don't want to do it. They're like, come, come on, Lieutenant, give us a break. And he interrupts them and says, it's not just a job. It's a fucking adventure. It's sort of like Jeff Goldblum's jumbo shrimp motherfucker line in Deep Cover. It doesn't make sense. Like, first of all, when you're doing and you're delivering these stuff so poorly, don't give them like, don't give the actor lots of things to say or lots of words to say. Yeah, that that is, and it comes out of nowhere. It's not even the right response, you know. But, but I'll tell you what, I was giddy in the movie theater when it happened because I could not believe what I was seeing. And yeah, yeah. It doesn't make sense because, first of all, that's a Marine or it's a military line. Mm-hmm army it doesn't apply to the context of what he's talking about it's obviously either an ad lib or just a horrific moment but i love it i don't think it was an ad lib i feel like and look pepe Serna works to this day probably a good actor here he's a little bit lost but he seemed frightened when he you was say lost i say an integral piece of the weird dynamic that makes this a charming venture fair enough i mean it's definitely odd in this it came out in 1990 it was past its cell date yeah it's a it's a fossil but that's what I sort of love about it is that it is so tone deaf about its marketplace and about what a cop movie needed to be in 1990 that I right. kind of 
it almost feels like it's a it's a multiverse movie or something. I I love it. Do you want to talk about more of his lines or? That's fine. No, what else did he say? Come on. That's fine. That's the main one. Charlie Sheen at the bar, as he's burnt, about to burn it down, he pours alcohol over the counter and he says, "Let's get hot." I think, and but Clint that, Eastwood, the director, that, heard that and said, "Okay, let's have this. Let's have the hottest scene in movie history." Then. Well, but he also. That's after he's walking around going, come on, motherfucker, come on, let's go. It's yeah. the stiffest Charlie, Charlie Stiff Sheen, walking around going, come on, motherfucker, come on. He's, he, it's so funny how stiff he is saying these dirty, these right. tough lines. You want a drink? You fucking thirsty? Let's go. It's so funny to listen to him say that stuff. It makes me so happy. Yes, and then he says, let's get hot. And uh, so this is the big scene that the reason Nick wanted to do this for September, and this is the scene that I remembered from this movie, and it was a controversial scene at the time. What happens, Nick? Sonia Braga and Clint Eastwood have some unsanctioned, penetrative, unwilling sex. So unwilling on his well, unwilling on his part. So he's tied up at the at the gang's hideout. Raul Julia is off doing some crazy stuff, and he and you know Sonia Braga has been left in charge to take. Uh, keep watch over Clint Eastwood and he asks her for some water she gives it to him and he spits it all over her face the water because he's a badass through and through Nick yeah he is and also thirsty so I imagine he drank a little bit of it and um (laughs) she then cuts his eyebrow with a straight like a razor blade and then decides that she's gonna give some kind of weird speech and then mount him take his penis out put it into her and then that works Clint Eastwood is Going for the Frankie and Johnny method of Al Pacino <laughs> quiet sex acting. Anyway, this is a big, this is a big controversial scene because it's you know it's a woman raping a man, right? It's bad, I'd say. What do you mean? It's unnecessary. It's stupid, it's and it's this, weird like that it's, Clint Eastwood directed this shit because it just feels like it's his like. It's bad fantasy. because did you not were you not aroused or I mean what, what's the reason? Sonia Braga's fine. Like she's she's very pretty. She's in a lot of stuff. I I think. Uh, that I haven't seen. Like, she was in Kiss of the Spider Woman, correct? With Raul Julia, I think. Yeah, they've been in four, they were in four movies together, yeah. They were. Okay, so, good actress. Any um, relation to Alice Braga, out of curiosity? Alicia Not Braga. A, I think it's the, Alice Braga, isn't it? Is it Alice? I thought it was Alicia. I mean, that she was in the Predators movie? Mm-hmm. I wonder if they're, yeah, I wonder if they're related. It's a definitely, definitely a cool last name, but I'm it's just saying. It's not a good name. Clint. It just feels like he's getting his uh, little fantasies out on screen here. Alice Braga, her niece. There you go. They are related. And of course, what happens is that Sonia Braga is enjoying this. Like, you know, because Clint is huge inside. He's a super stud. And she says to him, don't lose it. It comes up twice. Like, because she also videotapes it. And they have to accidentally play it back so Rod Julia can, could see it. This, uh, this cuckolding. But. Yeah, don't lose it, meaning... His erection. His bowels, right? <laughs> no? So are we talking about Penny Rise again? I don't think she's talking about his erection. What do you mean? I wonder if she's talking about his... Business? Yeah. Same thing. They're related. Anyway. I thought it would been amazing if she said, don't lose your business. What a wildly weird scene, Nick. And, you know, the fact that Clint directed this is just the little cherry on top of the cake here. It's a memorable scene because it's uh, hot and sexy. What? I don't know. His chest is large and stretchy in this. She does bite that. his. She does get a uh, suckle on his at, on his at Clint's teat at one point. But 
I don't know, man. I don't need to see this on a Sunday. Or it's a Monday, right? Labor Day. It was a, it was work to watch that. Six times. I did have to rewind it a few times for sure. I did rewind it once to hear what she was saying. Because she does talk a little bit to him. What does he say? Nothing. Of course not. You know what else he didn't say? Hmm. Cut. <laughs> she did anyway. She cut his... She threatens to cut his peep. With the little razor. Yeah. Which would have been great if that if that happened instead of the rape. Like if she cuts his dick off. Mm-hmm. Clint Eastwood, the masculine filmmaker. Legendary western hero. Remember that movie where Clint Eastwood's a cop who gets his dick cut off? And doesn't die of shame in the movie? He actually continues. Yeah. The one thing I noticed that I said, you know what's going to be funny? Is I bet she dies in this. And I bet Clint doesn't kill her. You're right. And I was right. Because it would be a bridge too far for him to then, after this, the sex scene that he's, he's they're too intimate, they're too, now they're forever together, because of this weird scene. He can't be the one that kills her. Right? They, they don't want Clint Eastwood to kill her and their baby. That he guaranteed created in her. I like the fact, and I don't remember this. Charlie Sheen kills everybody. He does. He, he takes them both out. He doesn't kill Julia. I mean, he mortally wounds Raul Julia. He doesn't who, ice the who, cake. Who war- mortally wounds him is Clint. Because Raul Julia says, I guess you have to call the ambulance now. And, and Clint says no. So I ain't going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and say David Ackerman did the heroic shit. He did. He shoots a lot. And By in the fact, way, he, sh- he shoots uh, Sonia Braga a lot, and it's, it's kind of unnecessary. He shoots her twice in the chest, and then gives the coup de gras. Just shoot yeah. her in the chest. She's already done. No, no, you got to do the headshot. You don't. You absolutely do because it's a cool effect. And then he gets off his cool line, like that he kind of snuck up on her, but like he, he, he snuck up on her too late. She shoots two policemen <laughs> and kills them right before he gets to have his cool line. Yeah. It's like maybe get there a little quicker or don't well, tiptoe behind her. Well, during that chase scene, he is running right next to her. He could have shot her 400 times. Yeah. By the way, Sonia Braga, not a marksman in this. Spraying that machine gun fire like a it's crazy person hits yeah. nobody. Mm-hmm. Hits zero people that she's aiming at in this movie. Well, to be fair, she's still having an orgasm, a day-long orgasm from Clint Eastwood. To I be did. fair, I mean, she I has did. no... And she's so love-struck now, you know. I did. I was. I had the subtitles on, so I did, I did see that. She can't control herself. She's been in the presence of the manliest man ever, you know? Yeah. You're you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the subtitles were pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. It says Liesel cum shoots. <laughs> Sounds like a Liesel, a name crack, from Jimmy Crack Corn type character. Liesel, a name from I believe there's a Liesel in Sound of Music. I zoom in. There, is that that's German as well, right? Mm-hmm. Was she supposed to be German? I mean, Raul Julia is. That's an insane thing that they didn't fix. They could have just fixed it in the script. Strom. Yeah, there's a character named Liesel. Nice. Super zoomed. Fuck that movie, though, you know? Sound of Music? Yeah. As we're talking about The Rookie, you said that? (laughs) What do you think had more cultural significance? The Sound of Music or the sex scene between Clint Eastwood and Sandra Jury is still out. Mm -hmm. Jury is still out. Clint Eastwood fucking tripping with this scene, man. What a fucking ego boost. I'm sure, you know, he's just honoring the script, really. Do you know how women get sexually assaulted all the time? Let's yeah. What if in The Rookie I turn the tables for once? 
She's got a good motivation for it, though, you know? And I'll make it hot. What is her motivation? That Clint Eastwood's a stud? Something. I think she doesn't like things that are useless. She, she like, she, things need to be useful for her to not kill them. I remember that line. Let's be honest. They, they break free. There's a combat that happens. Clint gets fucking free. Charlie comes, rescues. They go on a chase. Mm-hmm. A couple of these side the characters airport. get slaughtered. They go to the airport, and, and obviously Michael Mann was paying attention because heat ripped us, ripped us off totally, running around in, in runways and shit at night. I got really upset when that there's a briefcase of money that gets dropped onto the tarmac, and nobody does anything about it. There's $2 million flooding around. Flooding? And then, of course, mm-hmm. they go into the airport. A bunch of innocents get injured. And, and, and killed. And Zan- poor Xander Berkeley, too. Oh, that is... Re- <laughs> that scene, I definitely did not remember. He chases them in a plane yeah, he's on like the ground. Play. And he's trying to run them over, and they're like, split off. Go in different directions, and Xander Berkeley then does a U-turn and tries to still that, run them over. The turning radius on that plane is insane, because he is mm-hmm. instantly maximum overdriving right at them again. And then he gets uh, run over by another plane. A big plane clips And then he gets ass. exploded. I love, some, I love some Xander, though. It's good to see him looking young and sprightly. And then the good guys sort of win. They do. All the bad guys get killed. Uh, then they repeat the scene back in the... Where, for some reason, Clint Eastwood is... Now, Chief, how come? They, what happened? They make it seem like he got killed the way he's Charlie Sheen's walking through the, the yeah. precinct, and they're saying the same lines that they said to Clint when his partner died. But spoiler secret: Clint is now behind that desk, chomping on a cigar. And uh, Charlie Sheen's the one that has a new partner, a, a female cop, um, yeah. who has no lines in this. Doesn't get to say a single word. I know, uh, and she she went to Juilliard for this too, which is very strange. And Charlie Sheen walks out of there, and the, the bad guy. They, in the oh first, no! I'm sorry, I read that wrong. She bumped into a girl named Julie in the yard. In the in the beginning of the movie, the Clint Eastwood has to take a sign off of Charlie Sheen's back that says "Kick me," and then Charlie Sheen has to take a sign off of her back that these guys I, put. It, it I says, want "I sex. want your sex." Yeah, which must have been around the time that came out. Yeah, is that, that's a. What are those guys called? George Michael. Oh, that was his song, I Want Your Sex. I was thinking I'm too sexy for my shirt, like those that's guys. R- that's right, said Fred. That's right. That's right. Said Fred. What, what does Clint Eastwood do when Rob Julia begs for an ambulance? He shoots him in the face. With the bullet the bullet that he has around his neck. He has but a he bullet uh, on a chain around his neck so he can... Well, if Liesl died, he would kill himself or vice versa. Those poor guys. All right, By the way, I don't know if you heard this on the set of um, Sound of Freedom. Jim Caviezel's band would play sets uh during off hours oh wow yep pretty cool what's, what's the joke I, I don't get it there's no joke his band would play though during okay. during quiet moments yeah so the movie's over charlie sheen has a new partner clint eastwood and, the, and then they walk down a hallway and the credits roll what's this woman that is a partner i'm gonna look her up let me get a little here let me get a name of this person they gave zero lines to oh the band's name is right said QAnon. I was waiting. And, and all the lyrics like, I'm too sexy for this QAnon. You know, stuff oh, like that. Let me see here. Heather Torres is the partner's name, played by Roberta Vasquez. Oh, oh, she's great. I love her. She actually has had a storied career. She had last worked in 1993 in a movie called Fit to Kill. Yeah. She huge. played a character named Nicole Justin. What the... <laughs> You might remember from Sins of Desire as Motel Girl, Hard Hunted Nick, as Nicole Justin. What? 
Is there a series? Is she in some kind of series? Or she reprised? Oh my god, do or die as Nicole Justin. Guns as Nicole Justin. What is happening? What is happening? It says here, though, that she runs the Liam Neeson Taken 3 fan site now. Oh, she was in Andy Andy Sedaris, that, that guy's films. That's oh, the why. Sexy, sexy films. Yeah. I guess when uh, Eric Estrada stopped being available, maybe? She's, he's in the first one with her. Are you kidding me? Guns, Eric Estrada is in the poster here. Uh, Roberta Vasquez. Well, you got to bring Justin. you got to bring Nicole Justin back. You can't just have Nicole Justin She's in, in four of those films. Nicole Justin. Oh my god, I remember that Guns poster in the movie, in the in the blockbuster. Holy you shit. You remember Hard Hunted, right? I mean, of course. I, how could I forget Hard Hunted? I mean, I've seen it, you know, dozens. Yeah, they just spend the whole movie trying to shoot Clint Eastwood's direction. I can't believe a movie called Hard Hunted features Tony Peck. I, I think it's so weird for them to be hunting for Clint Eastwood's dick, and they're covering themselves with the scent of his piss... To mask themselves near his dick, which is, is just such a weird hunting thing that people do is spray dick piss onto themselves to kind of blend in. Like, why, you're cozying right up next to the dick that you just extracted piss from. Why don't you kill the dick when you killed the piss? Such a good question. Let me, I'm going to read you that. An international arms dealer will stop at nothing to retrieve a stolen Chinese nuclear relay hidden in a jade Buddha figurine. It's up to a group of undercover federal agents, a.k.a. Nicole Justin, stationed in Hawaii to stop it from falling into the wrong hands. She, in the middle of all these movies, in her Nicole Justin run, she graced the set of The Rookie. Justin, you just woke up a dormant fucking memory in me that I cannot shake. What? Let me, let me make sure I got the name right. I do. So, in 2010, I was contacted by the widow of, of Andy Sedaris. <laughs> Arlene Sedaris. And what? we became pen pals. Really? Because she liked the site? I This was after the site, I think, but or maybe oh, wow. not. Maybe not. Arlene Sidera sent me some press releases, and I responded to one of them. And we had like a little conversation going for a stretch there in, the, in, the, in 2010. And you brought Andy Sidera. Oh, my God. This thing came full circle. Did you demand the return of Nicole Justin? I said, Arlene, are you any relation to the cat from Garfield? Andy died... Mr. Dandy Andy died forever uh, in the year 20, 2007. So she she was that's what she she was trolling. She's hadn't. What do you mean she was trolling? She, she was, was a widow. She was like, I need another. Two well, she was credit. trying to probably just promote this guy's movies or her. Maybe she's a producer as well. Does she does she continue on in the film business after he passed away? She, of course she did. She produced Hard Hunted. Holy shit! She, she's a producer on uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. She's in there. <laughs> yeah, Arlene's good for her, man. It's good. It's good to see she's out there killing it. My, my, produced my, hard hunted. What a great name for a film. I'm not gonna argue with you. The world's hottest undercover agents are back in Hard Hunted. Arlene Sedaris is a badass. Let's just be honest. Yeah. She kicked ass. She made weird movies. Still out there killing it. I mean, she's not. I don't think she's making movies anymore. But she, Andy Sedaris, that, that guy. Did he do Hard Ticket to Hawaii or whatever? I don't remember. I didn't, never saw any of his films, I don't think. But he, he was a little bit like, what's the guy, the Russ Meyer, right? Is that Martin is he Scorsese? a little bit like that? Oh, um, sure. Malibu Express. I mean, you like, watch some of his films? I don't like those kind of exploitation movies. I, I know a lot of people think that it would be an on-brand thing. I don't like things like that at all. I guess they're kind of soft, did do hard soft ticket to Hawaii. probably a lot of nudity and stuff. 
Yeah. A lot of action and nudity. I Pneumatic remember Shannon Tweed would. Shannon Tweed kind of no, Shannon Tweed is, is that's who. Uh, yeah, different person. Cornered the market on uh, some of that that kind of stuff, right? Didn't she do like she do like sexy versions of like Die Hard and stuff? I remember those too. She I've never have, seen them. There was a whole mess of actors back then that were known for those kind of things, right? Mm-hmm. So look, the credits rolled, and there's a, there's not a lot of names that are of value in this. But what you what you find in there? I, I the first one I saw was Lil VB. I don't have it. Vince Baldino. What do you think? <laughs> I like Vince it. Vince Baldino. How about you? You see? Who'd you see? I I liked CM. Don't have it. Cotton Mather. Cotton Mather from Scream. That's a little different. Cotton yeah. Weary. Yeah. Cotton Mather sounds familiar to me. Open up the crayon box, Nick. I had KG in this. I don't have it. Little Kelly Green. Three for the road, right? Is that is that the actress? In, I thought that sounded yeah. familiar, but it's yeah. also a color. Kelly Green. Go ahead. Yeah. What about VP? Oh, you're talking about Vern Poor? <laughs> Vern Poor in this. Did you have BA? I don't. Bub Asman, but it's Asman. But I, so it's yeah, just we know. Bub Asman. Uh, one of my favorite masculine animals. BW in this? BW or VW? BW. Don't have either. Butch Wolf. <sighs> Good old Butch Wolf in this. A little pretension working behind the scenes. A little pretension. Asshole working behind the scenes in this one. Clint couldn't take him for more than two days. Fired his ass. Who? little GM in here. Don't have it. Godfrey Marks. <laughs> got his... Got thrown off face first off the set into the gravel. Somebody uh, not a fan no? of the young actor played Meadows, bro, on the set of Sopranos, man. Talking about Robert Eiler. Yeah, her brother. Not, yeah, not a fan of him on online. The big critic of his online, little AT, huh? AJ Thrasher. <laughs> I got one more. Let's hear it. Got a little G S J. Ooh, multiple names. Don't have it. Last name. Last part of that is a junior Nick. Okay. And you gotta mean. You gotta think if he's on make working on this film, he's making his daddy proud. Okay. His daddy George Sack. George Sack Jr. making Papa proud, working on the rookie. Mean, you know why? You know what he did? He was in George's sack for a stretch. He, uh, he was. <laughs> he lit the scene. He lit oh. the scene in this. Oh, the romantic scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's uh very devout. You hear about that? No, for- George Sack. Yeah. Mm-mm. Sacrilege, man. <laughs> Big time. So, look, man, you got to get a tattoo on your body. From the rookie. What are you gonna do? I do, do not have to do that. Mine's easy. I've got Clint on the chair getting straddled by Sonia, and it says it's not just a job, it's a fucking adventure. <laughs> yeah. Mine is the same. I have Sonia Braga straddling Clint Eastwood, but it's not Clint Eastwood. He swapped out with Nathan Fillion from the TV the hit rookie. show The Rookie and he goes well, how this how does and he's underneath he's like what just did I just quantum leap into this shit like what happened and then he looks and it's Alice Bragg on top of him <sighs> look man credits are over movie's over but there's a stinger at the end man so mine is the stinger is a, you know how Raul Julia where'd he get killed in the body he got shot in the head and the Oh, I mean the luggage on the luggage transport. yeah the carousel right like yeah. where you get your bag so yeah, as the credits are gone you see these people disembark from plane go walk to the baggage area and you see this guy grab raw julia's dead body 
and wheel it out there slow, wheel out of the airport slowly. Okay. And then the camera, and it's really strange, and the camera comes back, and there is another Rob Julia dead body that's going around circles. He switched him out? No, it's just he made a mistake. He his 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 <laughs> luggage looks wrong. like a dead Rob Julia. <laughs> the movie gets becomes a ten. Mine is uh, an eye doctor is uh, in his office. Laura Flynn Boyle walks in with her appointment to get LASIK. She have lines in this part, or? because when she shoots Loco, she she there's a joke about her aiming for his kneecaps, but she shot him in the heart. Right. So she's she's going to get LASIK surgery, that's funded by Ackerman to kind of get her eyesight better. Fair enough. Yeah, he gets after she kill he 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 she's about to get murdered, strangled to death. He does run a motorcycle. He gets there at the last minute. What? Oh. If, yeah, it made me wonder. What if that guy wasn't there and he drives a motorcycle through the front door full right. speed? Anyway, so then anyway, there's a fight that ensues, and she she ends up shooting this guy, and Charlie Sheen gets mad. I wanted him alive. He gets mad, and 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 you could see that she's traumatized, and he softens to it. So it's mm. it came off, man. I was really like, ooh, you better do something before I get really mad at you, David Ackerman, because he, he he is very insensitive to her. Yeah. Having just been almost choked to death by Loco and his pockmarks, right? But he does he he cool he softens it and it, it's a cute it, it, it ends the scene as well. Unfortunately, the doctor, thy doctor, mm-hmm. Bob Loco, it's his fucking brother. He <laughs> killed my broheim. She get, he gives her bad bad eyesight or what does he do? He takes Even her worse? eyes and leaves them in the, out in the street. Oh, yeah, that's not good. Remember that part where Charlie Sheen wakes up. And and he or he's in bed and she, and Laura Flynn Boyle's like what's wrong and he said I think something bad's gonna happen I think something bad and she's like what he goes I don't know but he's right he he had been thinking of that scene Clintus would get she's melted like, she's like you're a millionaire Charlie Sheen what are you worried about and you've got Laura Flynn Boyle next to you what are you complaining about asshole douche look you've been given the finance to have your own sequel to. The Rookie. What shape is your uh, oh, currency going to go into escrow and come out? I mean, my sequel would be, and I'd pitch this, and I imagine I'd get it greenlit. I said, let's dive into the most important and interesting character in this film that we didn't get to know enough. Charlie Sheen's mom. <laughs> and this. Tom Skerritt's his bae. The one that has the birthday party. Yeah. And we get to learn all about her character and her life. You know, and then in her relationship with Tom Skerritt, and you know her, she grieves. She's grieving the son that she lost so long ago. It's a little like Ordinary People, the sequel. Although the kid died so long ago, I mean, let's get over it. You know, and it's her about her, you know, desperately trying, you know, getting kind of sick to her stomach, but helping Tom Skerritt prepare for his trip to outer space. What do you think? I like it. Tom is playing the same character from Contact, is what you're saying. Mine is called The Veteran. Yeah. Sequel. And Charlie oh, Sheen is... Oh, man, nice. Yeah, he's, he's been at it for a while now. Right. And he has become disillusioned. He needs a little pick-me-up in his uh, career because he's gotten a little samey. And Clint Eastwood somehow in, in the 90s still working, never retired, still working behind that desk, give or take, you know, maybe every couple of months he'll get weirdly raped in there. But, but Charlie Sheen, you know, he needs to pick-me-up. And luckily... A new person joins the force that is going to test his uh, his every skill he's learned and force him to become more understanding of different cultures and to be accepting of others. Because uh, the first extraterrestrial cop 
joins the force and is assigned to David Ackerman. Like alienation. No, no, I'm talking like a little gray man. Naked little gray man as Hello. his partner. Yeah, this little cute little little bumpkin from outer space, just poking around, no pants, no belt. You know, just a little star affixed to his nipples, and he just, he's his new partner, and he's got to break him in. And he doesn't even speak English, and he, it's like it takes him forever to figure out what this this character's mumbling, what his language is, and they finally translate his the thing he's been saying over and over again. is Where's Travis? Do you, do you have Travis Welton's number? <laughs> Turns out donuts are toxic to his bloodstream and he dies. Travis Walton? Look, man, you've been given the finest thing to have your own business associated with the rookie. What are you going to build out? It's an easy one. I feel like this is a thing that it really would make money. And it doesn't really cost me other anything other than the magnet, the gigantic junkyard magnet. You can pay me to come to my magnet. I will then one of my favorite sentences, by the way. And I will, I will magnetize your, you know, pick up your car with my magnet, and you or your family can be in it as I jostle you around and give you the ride within your own car. Yeah, you get picked up and just kind of flung around. It's like it's like a. It's an easy, like, impromptu, in a way, you know, amusement park ride. And I don't have to... All I gotta do is keep the magnet clean and working. And the cash register clean and working. Right. And then your arch nemesis comes in and blows everything up. What do you mean? Carfax. The Carfax shows up. Says, you're (laughs) damaging the superstructure of this vehicle. Its integrity has been... You know, I'm gonna drop the value in the blue book for this bitch. Thanks. And then everybody thinks your magnet's a big asshole. Wait a minute. Is the Carfax... Is their mascot the Carfox? Uh, it's gotta be, right? Oh my god, did you, you didn't make it up? I mean, it's a fox. I'm you know, you, they do have a mascot. And it's a fox. So I assume well, it's Carfox. Well, fuck him. Fuck this magnet. My business is good. And we have a cleaning service. We, we, we do a check after... Yeah, you clean, speaking you of, clean I, gotta get my so li- I gotta get my license renewed, speaking of magnetizing cars with families in them. <laughs> So I I, uh, I have patented I've spent millions and I've gotten yeah. I've built a special Ouija board. Yeah. To commune with our boy, it's called Better Call Raw, the Ouija board. Oh wow! And it allows you to commune with his dead body. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am I've I've gotten everything done and it's about to go to market and the, his estate calls, uh-huh. and said it's pronounced Raul, and I am losing sleep. So it's like. I'm losing sleep. Better call raw. It rolls off the tongue, and it's a communication device with his dead body. Like it's, we're not. We're, we're fine with you creating a Ouija board to commune with our dead loved one, but uh-huh. his name was pronounced Raul. And so what I do is I get a loan for five billion dollars. I go to Vince Gilligan, Peter Gould, and I have them for five billion dollars. I have them change every instance of their character. So now it's called Better Call Saul. So my name rolls off the tongue perfectly. I'm able to. I don't have to change the name of my game. Don't have to do anything. That's Raul, I thought. But can I tell a joke? Oh, okay. I'm. I just. <laughs> I, I thought maybe you were being real. Look, you're in the movie, man. You've been added to the running time of the rookie. What shape does your performance take? I am a flight attendant, mm-hmm. just on the tail end of a long ass journey. That irate customers. We've had some turbulence, some engine trouble, and finally coming down to Chicago to land and get it over with. Mm-hmm. And I'm like. Oh, man, I'm glad I don't have any paperwork. I don't have to worry about anything. And then, fucking, there's a little plane on the runway. It was where we landed. We smash into it. 
Nobody's killed, but uh, somebody's purse flies out from the overhead and knocks both my eyes out. Who did you play in that movie? <laughs> the flight attendant. My character is a uh, customer of that laundry. Oh, that man. Remember that Charlie Sheen goes into with his gun and he... And we the, find the, Paul Venn. Starts to, yeah. So Paul Venn, Victor, he's looking for him, and he's, all of a sudden he's hanging up with all the shirts and the dresses and stuff, and he, he's on that that carousel of clothing, and he's dead, and he's you know spinning, Charlie Sheen horrified. I am a customer... At the lawn at this place, and I come and give my ticket, and the guy, the guy that owns the place, brings out the dead little Felix. I put him. I go thank you, and I take him and put him in my car. And then they cut back to the shirt that I had that has a similar pattern to what his dead body looks like. <laughs> True mistake. What do you think? Yeah, I love it. I love it. Coroner Mark's uh, cause of death Martinized. Martinized, man. What does that even mean? Is that a process that Martin invented that helps dry cleaners kick ass? Must be. Man, yeah. that guy's got a fucking... He's got a lawyer that is a rock star to have that have lasted this long. Martinizing? Martinized dry, Martinized dry clean. By the it's way, company. that's how Charlie Sheen came into being. Yeah, it's a, fran- it's a dry cleaning franchise. What does martinizing mean? To clean using the martinizing dry cleaning process. Biochemistry. Produce a coarse grain structure of protein topology. Well, give me a... I don't know what the hell that means. But there's got to be a dude named Martin at the beginning of this adventure. That'd be great if somebody with a dumb name was the inventor. And now we're forced to go to the dry cleaner and have our fucking... You know, go over there and get a... You know, get our shirt Scooter McRary or something, you know? Ted Piss. Hey, look, I need to get my shirt Ted Piss. <laughs> look, man, mm. you got to incorporate something from this movie into your everyday life. A mantra, a ritual, a screed. I might, I might do the kiss off. I might try to incorporate the awesome kiss off the no name villain gets. That it's supposed to be Clint's informant, but then turns the tables. And then Clint later breaks his neck, and then they fall down elevator shaft together. We didn't talk about that, but he tells Clint to chill or die, asshole. Chill or die. That's actually kind of a fun line in this that we didn't even talk about. Okay, I might use chill or die. And chill then die, bro. But don't die. I'll add that. <laughs> so that's gonna be your new. Preferably the first. Yeah, chill. Chill or die. But don't die, please. Right. And if you don't want to, don't chill. I'm not trying to put any kind of parameters around you. <laughs> Do what you want, but chill or die. It's the soft sell. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to basically learn a lesson from this movie. Whenever something really traumatic, traumatic happens to me, I'm going to bury it and, and go about my business. like a Just like Charles Sheen? No, I mean, like if you think about how well Eastwood hides the PTSD for being raped. <sighs> in this movie he really compartmentalizes that obviously traumatic experience for him mm-hmm. he's sexually assaulted mm-hmm. you can never tell well Charlie Sheen then tries to razz him about it and Clint calls him a pervert well he says didn't he say like you were he said, Charlie Sheen says it while she was polishing your knob or whatever no she says you're uh, she was you know, you're busy cause she's sitting, she was sitting on your face he goes she didn't sit on my face sat on my gigantic penis <laughs> and sat on j- Clint Eastwood's famous penis. Yeah. (laughs) 
Clint Eastwood, man, he is truly tripping for putting the scene in here. I wonder if it wasn't even in the script. He just like, you know, I have a great idea. <laughs> Sonia Braga eventually passes away from some hopefully natural causes in her advanced age, goes up to heaven, and uh, God, you rape, you rape Clint, and he puts on his kicking boot. Just a movie. Oh no, no, no. Uh, and she kicks her down, and Alice is sitting on her back porch. She's a shooting star, and having no idea it's her aunt. Going straight to hell. Holy smokes! Sonia Braga still works a lot. Yeah, of course. She was in Luke Cage. She was in. She's in Jesus Rolls. The um, highly the weird, highly beloved sequel to Big Lebowski. She's in the first Omen. Oh no! She way. got to sit on the Big Pulaski. <laughs> she's gonna be in the prequel to the original Omen with Bill Nighy in this. The movie we've demanded. <laughs> Fucking prequel to the old omen? <laughs> it What's it called? Fuck Live? <laughs> it's called The First Omen. At least it's got a good title, you know? It's got uh, Ralph Einenson, Bill Nighy, your favorite actress, Neil, uh, Nell Tiger Free. She's in that. Hope she, I hope she doesn't marry Jim True Frost. <laughs> That'd be a fucked up combined name, right? Is Jim True Frost. Remember, he was like, at one point, they were like, Oh, he's going to be huge. Poor Jim True Frost. And he's really kept his weight down. <laughs> they call him Heimdall ever since he came out as bi. You may remember him. He was a rector Dave Hines on Manifest. He, he I know you the wire, right? He was. Yeah. Yeah, he, Manifest was that show where the plane leaves and comes mm-hmm. back. Weird. Yeah. And then the show doesn't... It happens, and then years later, there's a second season, right? Yeah, it was on Netflix, or Netflix picked it up. I made a huge mistake. I thought I went. I got. I took the weekend off. I got all my camping gear uh, when that was coming out. I, I, you know, I, I brought a pimple cream. I brought a bunch of rocks and stuff because I thought it was, I thought it was like the Burning Man for fans of Manitou. People are trapped there, Nick. It's not fun to talk about. I'm People talking about the, the manifest, though. I know. <laughs> you're talking about but you're riffing on burning man oh because it's topical so lollapalooza for fans of the manitou maybe we should start that'd be great start a festival just focusing on the manitou yeah everybody has to be yeah I'd be, fuck yeah you know everybody cosplaying as tony curtis or miss guamacus yeah and then of course you have a dj mcmaster uh-huh he'll be there singing rock What was what's Tony Curtis's character's name? Remember we were laughing Harry about Harry Erskine. Harry Erskine in this. Get singing rock. You got Miss Guam. What's the woman that has the pimple on her neck? I mean, for a Susan while? Strasberg was the actress. I don't remember the character's name. Mom, I guess is what we call her. Yeah. Mad yeah. Mom. Yeah. So look, you're on an island. You've been trapped all these many years, gathering debris from films, and now it's time to take something from the rookie. What you bring in? From the island. From the rookie. No. T- okay. Yeah. My fault. I screwed it up from the from the movie The Islet though Michael Bay by the way my man was blinking on that whatever that carousel when he was dead oh yeah Did you notice he his blinked eyes like, were, yeah, his eyes he blinked like twice um just it might have been the Ouija board kind of connecting I might bring those two guys those little crew members that were <laughs> inadvertent stardom uh, you know legends in this film probably got their they're sad cards after this film because they were standing by the door while this scene played out, this violent scene played out in front of them. Just, just standing out there in a little... I don't know if I bring those guys as kind of my guardian angels on the island. 
I'll send you the picture right now. I wonder if they're tight with that kid from the window in Three Men and a Baby. When I first saw it, I was like, oh, it must just be like a poster or something. Or And then I rounded it, and there were two guys. I thought it just was a one person. I can't. I, I need to rewatch this movie now. Uh, I am going to bring, at night, it gets dark as shit out in the middle of nowhere. Even though the stars are brighter because there's no civilization. Mm-hmm. So maybe off to the far end of the island where there's just beach, I'll have that burning bar perpetually burning to light, oh, wow. up, light up the nearby area, be a beacon, a warning, or I could take that shot dog. Why not both? I mean, they're, they're in the same area, in well, the, the same scene. So actually, that dog is burning in that building, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I don't think we see the other dog escape the building when the fire is raging. I don't see, I think you see the bartender escaping either. Yeah, I'm definitely taking that haunted ruin then. I'm taking that fucking burning sensation on the beach. Would you explore it? No, no. What would you do? It would... I don't know. Can I turn it off? Can I do like a forensic Jean-Claude Van Damme visit through it? Sifting, you know, using your fingers to look... Look, Sift through the ashes? Ashes? Yeah, maybe I can Mm -hmm. turn it off. Maybe it's one of those things like... It's like a... My little fireplace. You can do the... Like, can you do it with the the clapper? Right. Do like a... And then it turns on, turns off. So I'm liking this. I think I will have that, and then uh, I think it'd be it'd be kind of neat, you know. And I could also keep things warm that are in my island, keep things cozy and cuddly. And then if I want to, I clap, clap, and then it's a just a, a smoldering death, little death. And I can go in there and kind of poke around. Maybe a couple of bottles of booze will have survived that I can ingest. This is a great plan. This is a great plan me, for me. You see me across the waters screaming cup in my mouth trying to get a message to you is it okay if my boys come over for a drink i'm screaming at you and you realize you're like look at me and i'm like terrified because i brought these two haunted weirdos to my island they're just following me slowly around and you know that if you let them come over to the bar maybe they wouldn't leave your island yeah. maybe i'm putting some kind of sick curse on you i'm trying don't fall for it nick and then I find out that their names are Baldbat and Eisenhower, and I'm like really concerned that Baldbat's gonna sleep at me at night. Were you crestfallen that that money was just blowing around though? That really upset you, huh? Why? I'd love I barely to noticed it because I'm so well off, but you you seem to be having a problem with it. By the way, did you, you also notice it because you brought like a huge unit of a car- arcade machine recently? Is that why arcade cabinet? What's your go-to game on it right now? Shinobi. Tell everybody that what you have. Like you bought a arcade game i built uh, i had this unit built it's mm-hmm. a it's a collection of thousands of old games it's a mm-hmm. gigantic you know video game thing and it has all these old games on it and it's a lot of fun you playing shinobi on it i love shinobi and yeah. i've been and I, I'm, I gotta admit i greased myself up for this podcast for the round of burger time i love burger time dude you have burger time you must have burger time two on there as well i don't well. remember seeing that maybe it's in there Gotta be the, the sequel's gotta be on there. You know what he does in the sequel? Make burgers. It runs over buns again. Like why? Why screw the formula up? I can't believe that the bad guys in that game, as he's trying to put the burgers together, were like pickles and ketchup. Yeah, they should be in on it. I know. I think they should be helping him. By the way, remember what your weapon is? Pepper. I used to play it at work sometimes. Like uh, at night, I'd be working at night at this old job when I was a lot younger, and then I'd get so stressed out, I go, you know what? I'm going to play the browser version of Burger Time to 
cool my jets for a while. By the way, and I, I was, just get super stressed by that game. You know, I um the, the the cool thing about this unit is like it's, it's got twenty thousand games on it. And there's some games that have never been released here, and there's some games that were never released. And there's some games that are incomplete, and there's yeah. like some X-rated games and stuff like that. And I played Braga Time, which is where you're you're going around and you're trying to make a hamburger, but she keeps getting on your lap and raping the daylights out of you. And the only thing that can beat her is pepper. Since there was a twinkle, he was there bouncing her right up on his knee, staring into those eyes, always promising, always watching for a reason to come to her defense. And it seems he's being mobilized. The father comes to equalize, adding judgment to. Off to most as a teddy bear with his claws tucked deep, just wanting to cuddle. He's always scanning, always waiting for a reason to annihilate. And it seems he's being mobilized. The father comes to equalize, adding judgment to. Judgment to them all The Father always comes